0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: On today's episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Wood Floors, we're joined by Kevin Ingram, the current radio play-by-play broadcaster for Vanderbilt Athletics and with Vanderbilt Baseball in Season – We talk all about the Vandy Boys. We touch on Jack Leiter's no-hitter on Saturday, Kumar Rocker's performance on Friday night, and the potential of this Vandy Boys team in another great season for SEC baseball. We also talk about Langston Patterson's commitment to Vanderbilt football. It's the first commit for Clark Lee's first recruiting class, the 2022 class. Also, B.J. Diakite and Linus Zunk. Three commits yesterday, big day for Vanderbilt football Big times on West End for both football and baseball. We'll talk about all that and much more coming right up here on The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. Let's ride.
0: You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation, anchor Down.
1: welcome back into the door report it is episode 76 we are back here on tuesday march 23rd 2021 We are, as always, presented by Alaco Finewood Floors. Unfortunately, Will Byram is a no-show today, but we will get him back on Friday for our next episode, and that will be a special episode because we've got a lot going on with Commodore Athletics. First off, we're going to talk about the Vandy boys. They took two out of three from South Carolina this past weekend. And how about Mr. Jack Leiter throwing the no-hitter on Saturday, Game 2? We'll talk about that. The Vandy boys are now the number one team in the nation. Finally, uh, they finally deserve, and they get—they finally get what they deserve. So we'll talk about that as well. Langston Patterson, the CPA linebacker, is the first Clark Lee commit of the 2022 class. Big stuff for Clark Lee. We'll talk about that. Linus Zunk and BJ Diakite also uh, committed yesterday. So three commits for Clark Lee yesterday, getting the class off to a hot start. And coming up later in the podcast, we will be joined by Kevin Ingram, the current radio play-by-play broadcaster for Vanderbilt Athletics. He did basketball this past season, and now he's doing baseball. He also served as the football broadcaster, so Kevin Ingram, will talk to him about uh, the recent success of the Vandy Boys, Jack Leiter, Kumar Rocker, and everything in between with Vanderbilt Athletics, but before we get to breaking news, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at door underscore report, and Instagram, door like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and while you're at it, go give our podcast five stars and a
0: review on iTunes. It's now time for breaking news. Today's breaking news is brought to you by the Recycling Dudes. You may ask, who are the Recycling Dudes? Well, they're brothers Graydon and Chapman and their dad. Drew Smith, who is a Metro Nashville firefighter, living in West Mead. The Recycling Dudes recognize the need for a service that would take glass to the recycling for busy homeowners who care about our environment. They pick up your glass, separate it, and take it to be recycled. They offer monthly service as well as one-time party pickup, starting as low as $10 per month. All you have to do is sign up on their website at recyclingdues.com. All right, the Vandy boys take two
1: out of three from South Carolina. How about it? Kumo Rocker and Jack Leiter stay hot. They combined for 30 strikeouts this past weekend. And after watching the series against South Carolina, me personally, I'm fully convinced this team has what it takes to win it all just due to those two pitchers. They also have Thomas Schultz, who they can throw at you in Game 3, as well as Christian Little. And, I mean, this is is just an unreal pitching staff for Vanderbilt this year, and we're going to be talking about it all season long. And we get to watch these two guys all season long, which is a treat for us. But going to Game 2, kind of fast-forwarding, we'll talk about Rocker's performance in Game 1. That was nothing new, but there was something new that happened in Game 2. Jack Leiter, the son of the longtime – uh, three-time World Series champ, Al Leiter, in the big leagues, he threw a no-hitter in game two. That was the first regular season no-hit outing in program history since 1971 and first in an SEC conference game since 2016. Now, a lot of you might be saying, hey, Billy, don't you aren't you forgetting about Kumar Rocker's no-hitter in 2019? Well, that was versus Duke in the Super Regional. So, yes, the last one. Uh, if you're talking about the whole season, was Kumar Rocker in 2019. But Jack Leiter threw the first no-hitter in program history in the regular season since 1971. And take a look at these stats. I mean, it's ridiculous. After walking the first batter of the game on a full count, he went on to retire 27 batters in a row. He racked up a career-high 16 strikeouts across nine innings, greatly surpassing his previous career-long of five innings. He's now 5-0 and with a point. 0-3-1 ERA, which is just ridiculous, uh, and and you're facing the best hitters in the country. You're facing the SEC, and, and yes, you, you know you played South Carolina. They're still a top twenty team. Vanderbilt will face Missouri next week, uh, next weekend, that'll be again another road test. But um, I, what I'm really looking forward to seeing with this team is is how how they fare against the likes of Mississippi State and Florida and Arkansas. Um, and even LSU, who is up there uh, in the top twenty, uh, but there, you know, there's a this is a really good year as it is always every year in the SEC. But Arkansas and Mississippi State, I think, are going to be the two teams Vanderbilt's going to have to get off their back um, because they can really hit the baseball, and, and both of them have uh, deep pitching staffs as well. And those three, I think, are the three best teams in the country. Uh, I, I think you could go you couldn't go wrong with 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 saying that. Um and the thing with this Vanderbilt team, these past couple weekends, we talked about it last weekend. They took two out of three from Oklahoma State. and now this weekend, taking two out of three from South Carolina, both series they lost on Sunday. So I, you know, I'm not saying that's something to be concerned about. But after lighter and after rocker, there's there is there's a drop-off uh, because, yes, Thomas Schultz is talented, but he's not Jack Leiter, he's not Kumar Rocker. And Christian Little is really good also, but he's not Rocker and not Leiter. So I think the challenge this season for Tim Corbin is going to be finding that third guy. he He's pitched Christian Little in that third game before, and he's pitched Thomas Schultz in that third game before. So, uh, again, it's going to be interesting to see how this team Continues to to kind of morph, especially offensively, uh, into into what they want to do and and who they want to be this season. Uh, Obviously, the identity is the pitching staff, the first two guys. uh, But coming out of the bullpen, I mean, Hugh Fisher is is unstoppable as well. Luke Murphy has been big time, kind of you know saving a lot of these games, a lot of these victories. And and you know it's it's just it's so fun to watch a group uh, of this 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 many talented pitchers. Go at it in in this kind this type of conference uh, because you look at it. There's going to be a lot more um, teams that come to come to the plate facing Leiter and Rocker, and they're going to have to continue bringing their A game. There's no slacking off, and then especially once you get to the regional and super regional time, it's going to be time to go. It, it really is. And, and Kumar Rocker is a guy that he seems, especially after the no hitter, kind of overshadowed overshadowed by by Jack Leiter. But but we will see. Uh, again, how these guys continue to progress. And and that's kind of been the struggle. If you want to nitpick, losing that game three, the past two series. We'll see if they can get a sweep in next week against, against Mizzou. Actually, tonight they play Lipscomb at home. So 6.30 uh, Central Time first pitch against the Lipscomb Bison and as i mentioned the Commodores are the number 1 team in the nation now according to D1 baseball that's one of the highly trusted uh, sites in, in, in all of college baseball so again that that's finally i mean it's 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 something you look at it all year and Vanderbilt it should probably should have been ha- probably should have been done a, a long time ago but they they finally Overtook that number one spot from Arkansas, and the Commodores are number one in the nation. All right, let's roll on here to football. And Clark Lee has just got his guy, Langston Patterson, a three-star inside linebacker from CPA. He's a junior this season, obviously, in the 2022 class, 6'1, 215. And this is huge. This is a massive get for Clark Lee to kick off this season. 2022 recruiting class the first class for Clark Lee this is an important get because it's huge to get an in-state guy and and keep him in Nashville and then get him uh you know to to hopefully recruit more players from the mid-state and even uh statewide because you know you know you know damn well that he he has relationships with a lot of really good players in the state and and he's at his position he's one of the best he's he's top 20 in the country top 20 inside linebacker in the country um he's he's a top 20 player in the state of Tennessee and he could move uh further up as well and he's a 3 star right now but Everyone I've talked to so far firmly believes he's going to be a four-star by the end of next season. I mean, he chose Vanderbilt over Notre Dame, Tennessee, South Carolina, I mean, Arkansas. I mean, he chose Vanderbilt over some big-time offers, and I love some of these quotes he had. Um, He he said, in quote, Lee was a big factor. If Coach Lee was at Notre Dame, I may be seeing myself in a different uniform. He's a big factor in recruiting me. Uh, Again, like I said, he chose Vanderbilt over some big-time schools. He also said, in quote, there wasn't a better culture out of those schools. Then you look at the coaching staff and the kids, and also just playing in the SEC has been a dream of mine since I was a little kid. But listen to this one. Here's Langston Patterson talking about Vanderbilt and the future of this program, in quote, I'm ready to get Nashville booming. I want to help coach Lee make Vanderbilt an SEC contender and a national contender. I believe he can do it. And that's if you're a Vandy fan, that's got to give you chills and make you think, okay, this is this is big time and this is a huge first get for Clark Lee. His older brother actually Kane Patterson is a linebacker at Clemson. He actually got a lot of playing time this past season, but he played at CPA as well. It's a big, you know, Local family, the Patterson. They call him LP. Uh, he's a big guy. He's a big kid. He's going to get bigger too. He's he's 6'1", 215. Uh, again, he'll probably be around two twenty by the time next season, maybe even more. Uh, but he's got good good speed. Good good. He's an attacking linebacker, and I'm really looking forward to seeing him in the black and gold. Yesterday, there were two other guys that Vanderbilt um, w- was able to get commitments from: BJ Diakite. From Pinson Valley High School in Pinson, Alabama, six foot three, 210 pound athlete. He, he does play linebacker, but he's an athlete. He's a long, uh, speedy, rangy uh, athlete. And if you remember that high school, the name of that high school and the name of that city in Alabama, Pinson, Alabama, that's where Zach Cunningham is from. And I think I, this is a genius move by Clark Lee to attack Zach Cunningham's high school and say, hey, you want to come be our next Zach Cunningham? Let's do it. Let's make it happen, and and hopefully that that's what BJ Diakite is able to turn into. And this is this guy. I, I hate calling him a project type of player, but he's an unrated guy. Um, you know, this Vanderbilt was his only uh, D1 offer, but this is the kind of guy that Clark Lee should be able to develop. And, and two three years down the road, he's a Zach Cunningham type of guy. And then Linus Zunk out of Raven Gap. Nakuchi School in Raven Gap, Georgia. Interesting name there for that high school. Um, he's a defensive end, really long and rangy guy. 6'6", I like the word rangy today, 6'6", six, six, 235. Again, another unrated guy, but if you look at these two guys, 6'3", Diakite, 6'6", six, six, Zunk, these are long players that if as long as they get bigger and develop and get in the weight room, these guys can be really good players on the defensive side of the ball. And these are three defensive guys Likely, and Diakite is an athlete, but I, I would believe he would be a linebacker of of sorts uh, or defensive player of sorts there. Uh, but they've Vanderbilt has shown that they like those long um, g- defensive ends and and edge rushers that can bend and and get get by uh, the O linemen. So Langston Patterson from CPA, BJ Diakite from Pinson Valley High School, and Linus Zunk from Rabin Gap Nakuchi School down in Georgia. All three of those guys committed to the Commodores verbally. They have not uh, signed anything, but I'm sure Clark Lee will keep those guys in Nashville. And it's busy, busy times there for for this team. They have their third practice of of, uh, spring camp today. So, uh, again, exciting times on West End. Clark Lee gets his guy. All right, coming up, Kevin Ingram, the play-by-play broadcaster for Vanderbilt Athletics, He served as a football broadcaster this past fall. He worked the basketball games as well, and now he's working the baseball games for the Vanderbilt Commodores on 93.3 FM. We will talk to Kevin Ingram coming right up about all things Vanderbilt Athletics, but especially the Vandy boys and their series victory over South Carolina. We got Kevin Ingram coming right up here on The Door Report, powered by Laco Fine Wood Floors. Before we get to the Kevin Ingram interview, it's now time to send it over to Gary Scales
0: for a few words on our presenting sponsor, Alaco Fine Wood Floors. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors. craftsmanship you can stand on
1: welcome back inside the door reports on alongside kevin ingram the radio host and play-by-play announcer for the vanderbilt sports network on the learfield img college and sec network plus he's also a blue ribbon associate editor also the host of the commodore hour on monday night so kevin I, i'm sure i mean you're staying busy you're always staying busy as usual <laughs>
2: I am. I can't figure out uh, what day it is or who we're playing, but I know there's usually a game or a show or something to do, but uh, it's a good problem to have. It certainly uh, beats the alternative. And, you know, with the the way the last year has gone, it's been kind of a difficult year. You think back to to March this time last year, uh, just very thankful to have these opportunities. It's really cool.
1: No doubt about it. And obviously this season is always a fun time for Vanderbilt fans to kind of sit back, relax, and, and watch another great Vanderbilt baseball team because this is one of the better, this is one of the better ones. I think a lot of Vanderbilt fans are realizing they've got something special with this pitching staff and you have been there, you've been in the park, you've been in mm-hmm. the press box at Hawkins field. And, you know, we had Max hers on uh, a few podcasts ago and he has not been able uh, to be there. So you're kind of, uh, you know, in an interesting uh, perspective there being, in the park, taking in that atmosphere, I'm sure you've been to games, you know, before when it's been packed and you know, yeah. regional games, super regional games, where the atmosphere is awesome. What's the difference between you know this season and kind of seasons past? Um, is there is there a huge drop in the atmosphere?
2: Yeah, there is. I mean, it, it, a series like what we saw against South Carolina this past weekend, that would typically have been a packed house. I mean, all the way around the infield and probably a whole lot of the outfield bleachers too. Um, you know, there's a certain percentage of fans in the stands. So there, there are a few hundred people there, but it's certainly nothing like it would typically be. Um, the, the ones who were there over the weekend, they got to see some good baseball and that Friday night game was a terrific game and mm-hmm. kind of overshadowed certainly by the uh, no hitter on Saturday, but the Friday win three to two was a, a great game. Uh, South Carolina rallied and got him on Sunday, but the, the no hitter was really something special to experience. And, uh, it, it was cool to be there, but, uh, as far as the atmosphere goes, uh, I really hope they can, uh, open things up and let fans in maybe a little more at a time as the season goes along, but uh, is, is just thankful for the ones that are in the house.
1: No doubt. And and for you, you're able to watch a, a potentially pro guys who some people are even saying by the end of this major league season could get opportunities after, you know, the, they, they, whether if they win in Omaha or not get in the draft, mm-hmm. there's, there are two of those guys that have those opportunities from what you've seen. How, how different, you know, how different is are these two guys from maybe some of the past venue pitchers? Because they've they've had a ton of, of guys come through the program. So what have you seen from those two guys in particular that kind of, you know, separates them?
0: Are
2: you talking about Kamala Rocker and Jack yes, Leiter, yes, obviously? Yeah. Um, yeah, Vanderbilt's had some amazing pitchers over the years. I mean, you went under Tim Corbin, you go back to like Jeremy Sowers is sort of the first one. You had David yeah. Price. I mean, you, you think about, you know, up to more recent in, in the majors, Walker Bueller played on the world champion Dodgers. I mean, there there've been tons of guys that have uh, come from this program and pitching the big leagues, but these two are pretty special. There's no question about it. Uh, Kamar Rocker has been the you know the Friday night starter that this past Friday was about the only Friday night start he's made. The season has been so messed up with yeah. weather, but, uh, you know, just that, that great power stuff. And this year he's added the throwing the cutter more, which, uh, this makes him even more dangerous uh, when you can throw mid to upper nineties fastball and then land that slider in the eighties. And, uh, and then I'll throw this cutter that, that sits right around 90. It's just a, a nasty old pitch, but uh, he was awesome on Friday night. He pitched eight innings, struck out 14, and uh, they, they scored a couple runs. They scratched out a couple runs uh, to, to get on the board, but uh, Kamara's been terrific. Uh, Jack Leiter on Saturday pitched a no-hitter, walked the first guy and retired the next 27. He struck <laughs> out 14. It, it, was, it was one of the greatest performances in the history of this program. And it's funny. I've, I've seen two no hitters and I sat in the same place for both of them. Uh, wow. you know, the rocker one against Duke in 2019. And then the one that lighter pitched uh, back on Saturday, yeah. now, those are the only two no hitters I've ever seen in person in all the games <laughs> I've ever watched, uh, wow. you know, major league or college or whatever. It's been hundreds of games. Those are the only two no hitters I've ever seen. But, uh, to answer your original question, you might could see these guys in the majors by the end of the year, you know, we've seen it happen before where guys have pitched in the college world series. Uh, there was one fellow that pitched uh I believe he pitched for TCU and then maybe pitched for the Royals yes. in the World Series yeah. a few years ago. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's happened before and I wouldn't be all that shocked. These guys have serious stuff, major league stuff. Now you gotta remember they're still really they're young guys. There's yeah. no question about it. I mean, Jack Leiter's a, a true sophomore. Kamar Rocker's been in the college game for three years now, but uh boys some amazing stuff that those guys bring it's, it's just remarkable how hard they can throw it and just the way they, they work off that fastball
1: it really is and I think something that's really interesting about these guys Kevin is is the they don't really show a whole lot of emotion you know so I, you know they they are very young but Kumar rocker I mean he' he'll, he'll strike a guy out fastball fastball curveball and just kind of you know walk around get catch the ball uh-huh. and, and get right back to it and Jack lighter too after the no-hitter I mean you know not yep. a ton of emotion uh, but I think for both of them they show the emotion when they they earn it when they feel like they've earned the mm-hmm. strikeout and I think Kumar Rocker uh, said had a quote uh, said that quote but what do, what do you think that does say about their maturity and kind of okay they get a strikeout but they're not getting too high on themselves and and, and it seems like that is kind of a uh, a theme for the, some of these a lot of yeah. these vandy teams they stay you know even keel don't don't show a ton of emotion and they just get the job done
2: I think that's a trademark of this program really um, you know, you show emotion at the appropriate times, get fired up when something big happens, but like after that eighth inning on Friday night, Kamar Rocker comes on the, off the mound, he's kind of pounding his chest because he, yeah. he knew that was, that was the end of his night. Right. Uh, he talked him into basically coming out for the eighth. He told him, no, I'm, I'm not coming out. I'm not going to pitch you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One more inning. They were ready to take him out. Not leaving. The but, uh, and then Jack Leiter after that no hitter, you couldn't tell if he pitched no hitter or, or what happened, but, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he, I saw him doing the uh, interview on the sec network after it was over with, and, uh, he was just kind of low key about it. But, yeah you know, they, like I say, they just get excited at the appropriate moments. And, and I think that's something that's just part of this program. The expectation is there that you're going to win and be successful. Yeah. And uh, so the, that, that's kind of what you get out of these players. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I think I think they go about it the right way where they enjoy the moment, but don't enjoy it too much because yeah. they're, they're loftier goals uh, down the road. Certainly
1: you talk about act like you've been there before. They really right. leave that out. They <laughs> and, really you know, do. Yeah, they, they definitely act like they've been there before. Yeah, definitely. no doubt. And, and you know, you what? talk about looking down the road. The SEC is really good and you're going to see a lot of really good teams come into Hawkins Field. Um, and, and are you traveling with the team, too, Kevin? I am.
2: Yeah. I'm, OK. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, not not necessarily with the team. I, I have to travel separately right, right. because of the COVID restrictions and things, but I am going to the away games. Uh, right. I'll, be at, I'll be at Missouri uh, on Thursday.
1: What a privilege. I mean, for you to, this is one of the, the better Vanderbilt teams, I think at least pitching, but the question is how does, how do they develop hitting offensively? We've seen take Colwick, Jason Gonzalez, Cooper Davis, guys, kind of mixing it up. You never really know mm-hmm. who's going to step up to the plate and, and make the big play, uh, you know, to kind of towards the end of the game. Uh, so, Kevin, from what you've seen, I think a lot of Vanderbilt fans are in a position of, you know, who's the guy? Who's the guy offensively to kind of step up this season? From your perspective, who are a few guys to watch for and kind of keep an eye on offensively, um, you know, to kind of see, okay, if if they're playing well, having success, this team's going to follow usually.
2: It's been pretty interesting, really, because Dominic Keegan got up to such a great start. Then he had to shut it down for a couple of weeks with COVID. I mean, he was among the SEC leaders in like every single category. Um, you know, you've you had a really nice stretch by Carter Young, who started the season off with a long hit streak. He had a 16 game hit streak stop against Belmont last Tuesday. Um, you've had Isaiah Thomas start to get hot and really swing the bat. Uh, man, when that guy gets rolling, he's he, got a he's, bat. As tal- yeah. he's as talented as anybody in the country. He can do a lot of things on a baseball field. I've been really impressed with the bottom of the order, to be honest. Uh, you know, Tate Colwick has hit kind of that seven spot, and Ricky Bradfield, eighth, and, and Jason Gonzalez, ninth. They've done a lot of damage in those spots. They moved Colwick up to clean up after he had two home runs on Saturday and moved Bradfield up to the leadoff spot. But uh, they've done such a great job at the bottom of kind of setting the table. And Gonzalez has had a good year so far. And uh, the freshman, Bradfield, has been so impressive. Really like the way he handles the bat. He can do whatever you need him to do. If you need him to put down a bunt, he can do that. You need him just to walk and get on base, sack fly to bring in a run put the ball in play uh really really been impressed with him and of course uh, the steals 15 out of 16 so far and the only time he's been caught was uh back on Friday in the uh, opener of SEC play against South Carolina the catcher just made a terrific throw from yeah. his knees to yeah. to get him out but that's been it uh yeah. it's it's just been a little bit of everybody to, to answer your question um you know it, it's kind of been fun to watch because they they sort of spread the wealth i mean you even I you know, saw C.J. Rodriguez at a home run on yeah. Sunday and drive in three runs. So it, it has been a little bit of everybody so far.
1: You talked about Bradfield. He's a kid that really fascinates me because he's he's really small. He's a and he's a center fielder and and he's mm-hmm. a guy that can cover a lot of ground and he's fun to watch. Um, and a lot uh, Tony Kemp comes to mind. Uh, you know, the, the guy that started in the outfield. Who knows where Bradfield's you know is going to end up? He does seem like an outfield type of guy but offensively, I mean, you touched on it. He can do whatever you need to do. Why, what do you think prompted the move to the top of the order? Do you think it's just, you know, his production? He's he's a guy that was doing a lot, getting on base. So they decided to p- bump him up or, you know, was that something that you kind of expected?
2: Um, As far as moving to the top of the order, Cooper Davis has been batting leadoff and he'd been struggling a little bit. I think they just kind of wanted to, to mix it up a little bit and Bradfield been going so well. So they just decided to basically flip those two. It's almost like having, two leadoff hitters at each end of the lineup. So they made that change on Sunday. Um, As far as where he's going to end up, I'd say he's starting out in center field and he'll probably end up in center field. Uh, (laughs) uh, That that seems to be his spot. He is so good in the outfield. I mean, he makes veteran plays for a guy who's, you know, 18 games into his college career Mm -hmm. uh, right out of high school. He just seems like he takes the perfect line and angle on every ball. And he's really made some nice plays, just ones that he makes look easy just because he has great speed. But, it's more to it than just the speed. He he really knows how to play the position. He's looked great. Um, he reminds me, and and this is a, this is a guy that would go back, maybe show my age a little bit, you know, <laughs> going back to the '80s. Willie McGee, who used to play for the Cardinals yeah. and played for the A's. Part of it is he wears number fifty-one, but he's also kind of built like Willie McGee, <laughs> and uh, he reminds me a little bit a little yeah. bit of him, who was an outstanding player and a, an MVP caliber player, and and you know played center field for the Cardinals. Um, but yeah, I've been. Really impressed with Enrique Bradfield so far. He's been fun and just just scratching the surface on what that guy's gonna yeah, do. Yeah,
1: he's just bursted onto the scene as a guy that that is really looking. You know, Fanable fans looking forward to watching him. Keep watching him. And it seems mm-hmm. like he's one of those guys that has kind of morphed into the Corbin prototype. Uh, you know, yeah. it seems like Carter Young also at shortstop yeah. and and you know take Colwick a lot of you know, just smooth defensive players. What is it about this program and Tim Corbin to continuously bring these guys in and they don't lose a step? I mean, yes, they're mm-hmm. very talented players, but it seems like there's there's this um, this type of layer or, or, you know, line that you have to get to a point, you know, in Tim Corbin's mm-hmm. um, you know tenure where, OK, you get past this. You will, you know, you're going to start as a freshman, but what, what, what is that about? What is that about Corbin and, and the, the players that they kind of just take it on and say, Hey, you know, this is the culture.
2: Um, I think that's part of it is just kind of the culture of the program. Like one group of guys will pass it on to the next one. Mm-hmm. This is really a pretty young team. You have a few of these guys. There are only, I think, seven players that had ever played in an SEC game before this past weekend. And uh, that I thought that was really interesting. You know, a lot of these guys, they, they never got to play in an sec game last year. So they got a little taste of this type of competition when they went to Oklahoma state a couple of weekends ago. Uh, But this past weekend was the first time they played in a conference game. Carter young, Gosh, he he's just really looks good. like a, another in a long line of terrific shortstops yeah. to this program. I mean, you can you can go back even before Dansby Swanson, but you know from say Swanson to Connor Kaiser to Ethan Paul to Ryan to now, Flaherty too. Yeah, Ryan Flaherty. Yeah. I mean, you, you can go on back. I mean, Carter Young, he just he does it all. I mean, he's a fantastic <laughs> fielder. He, he was off to a great start at the plate. You know, he had a mm-hmm. did uh, by his standards. The, the series against South Carolina was quiet, but overall he's been really good mm-hmm. hitting. Uh, Show some power from both sides, a switch hitter. Uh, just, gosh, he just looks like he's going to be an awesome player. Uh, but I love watching these shortstops. I, I remember when Connor Kaiser played, I'd almost root oh, for man. somebody to hit one back. I'd root for somebody to hit one back in the hole to, just to watch <laughs> him make that throw. Yeah. And sort of the same way with Carter Young, who just, again, we talked about Bradfield taking the right angle. Young just seems like he he has that that instinct of knowing where to be. Uh, They've been really good up the middle this season. And they've been really happy with, with CJ Rodriguez behind the plate too. I saw him catch all three of the the games in that series, but I, I think just sort of one generation of players to the next, they sort of pass on, what the expectations are for that program mm-hmm. and, they, and the next group sort of picks it up and, and runs with it
1: and a lot of it has to be I think similar to you know Kentucky basketball or or, or even Duke basketball or Alabama football I mean that's the comparison what we're looking at I mean these yeah. guys they're, they're getting them to the NFL at Alabama as well as Kentucky for basketball and you know they're watching the games on ESPN when it, and when it comes time March they're watching those like high school players you know they watch those and they're aware and I think Tim Corbin along with brooks webb who you know i know you know him very well um you know covering him a lot talking to him he does a tremendous job and he's kind of the i don't want to say secret weapon but you know he's kind of behind a lot of the juice that makes this program run what may i want to talk about him i gotta get brooks webb in here what Hmm. makes him so special and i mean he's worked with usa baseball obviously a lot of experience um in talking to him, what have you learned from him and just how he operates and, and what makes him tick?
2: Now Brooks seems like he just does a little bit of everything. Whatever it takes to to make the program successful, that's what he's willing to do. Uh, so much work behind the scenes has sort of changed titles to general manager and chief of staff this yeah. year after being director of operations. But, yeah, he has his hand in, in so many different parts of the program. And, and the thing I, I think I really appreciate about Brooks is, like, how, how much he really kind of enjoys, you know, having – that, that contact right there on the yeah. front lines of the dugout during yeah. the game. And I mean, he, he likes being down there right in the middle of it. Yeah. Uh, he comes up and spends the fourth and fifth innings with me on the radio. And, <laughs> and we, we've uh, started what we call rally radio, where it seemed like every time he would come up there, immediately Vanderbilt will score like two or three runs and <laughs> we would joke it it has absolutely nothing to do that it's the second or third time through the lineup it's all about Brooks it's, being all, in Brooks. His, uh, for,
1: it's all about <laughs> for Brooks. those two innings but uh,
2: he, he's such a great guy he, he's so much fun uh, I've, I've really enjoyed getting to know him uh, not just the last two couple of years but uh, you know certainly this year when we've worked closely uh together a little more doing it uh uh, pre-game show for tv on the home series yep. and of course he's he's come up for the fourth and fifth innings on, on radio uh, every game so yeah brooks man he's a special dude he does just so many things uh it was kind of Oversees a lot of the social media things that go on, and and uh, just he knows the game so well, and knows the players, and can come at it too from a player's perspective, having been a you know successful player at the college level.
1: Right, and I want to kind of dive back into this team on the field as a whole. You know, you're you're with them at the hawk. You're going to be traveling with them. Um, you know, they, they got to play Mississippi State, and they they might see Arkansas um, as well in the SEC tournament down the road. So. Do, where do you think they stand at this point, Kevin, with those two teams? I think, you know, a lot of people would agree Mississippi State, Arkansas, LSU's up there as well. I mean, there's five SEC teams in the top five. Uh, that, you yeah. know, they're, they're seeing good good talent uh, week in, week out. Where do they stand in terms of the pecking order in the SEC? They're number one in the country, uh, but, again, they haven't seen Mississippi State. They haven't seen Arkansas. So, from what you've seen so far, uh, where do they stand in the SEC?
2: It's really kind of hard to say, Billy, because they – you know, they, they haven't played those teams and you haven't seen, you just kind of seen a really small sample size of mm-hmm. sec play. Yeah. The top five are all sec, Vandy and Arkansas, and you got Mississippi state and Ole Miss and Florida, which we will see Florida not too far down yes. the road. Uh, we'll see most of those other teams. Uh, you got Tennessee's ranked, uh, LSU's ranked South Carolina's still uh, at the bottom of the rankings. So, I mean, you got eight teams from the league that are in the top 25 in the, uh, the D one rankings. Um, I, I just, to be honest, I'd almost have to see like a few weekends of SEC play right. where you, you really start to see what these teams are about because they play so different levels of competition in the non-conference. You might have one series or maybe a little more than that against somebody, you know, who's a, a big time opponent from mm-hmm. a, a power conference. But like I say, it's kind of all over the map as far as who these teams play, either on the uh, the opening few weekends or the midweek games. But uh, just kind of looking forward to, to seeing these battles in the SEC. It is a it's a 30 game game just all out to the finish. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. (laughs) These these series are so awesome because everything is so tense and tight. And you know, that that one game going one way or another can make all the difference in where you finish as far as the regular season and the seedings for the, uh, the tournament down the road. Yeah. So that's why I like to say that game on Sunday, even though Vanderbilt had already won the series it felt so important if you could get that sweep it did. that that's that's so big if you can win all 3 of those games as opposed to winning 2 out of 3
1: right yeah and that's a success for South Carolina that's a positive mm-hmm. sure. you know momentum point for them to you know keep going out of the next series and and like you were talking about Kevin Down the stretch of this season, it's almost like the SEC begins to kind of beat beat themselves up. You see it in football, Mm -hmm. where they get down to the playoff and they might hurt each other with their seating in the playoffs. So we could maybe see um, some of that. Kevin, I want to kind of end it now here with kind of a football-baseball comparison. Obviously, they're on two very different scales right now, but it seems like they've kind of worked together. day um, as in Corbin and Clark Lee, um, obviously with a great relationship. Um, Corbin has obviously sent uh, Casey Stingle over there. I, I, don't, I, mm-hmm. I would love to see how that kind of came together. It would be a fly on the wall in that conversation, kind of working that out. But how how, um, how, how much of the imprint of of Tim Corbin's program do you think we might see in Clark Lee's program? Because I mean, if you're Clark Lee, why not, you know, why not take some of what Tim Corbin has done with the baseball program and, Mm -hmm. you know, because he's been so successful there at a school like Vanderbilt, a lot of the same requirements for these players. So do you think we could see a a huge imprint uh, from Tim Corbin's program into the football program, obviously different sports, but how do you think he might uh, mingle that?
2: Um, I I do think you could see that. In, in fact, uh, you know, we were talking to Corbs before the season. And he said, yeah, we, we've had conversations, uh, Clark and I have. And, uh-huh. you know, Clark Lee was a, a college baseball player himself. You know, he played some at yeah. Belmont before he went to Vanderbilt to play football. But I, I think he may have may already be seeing some of that and I know yeah. in spring football they're out there with you know jerseys that don't have numbers on them, yeah. that sort of thing it's like that is a trademark is. <laughs> ball and you know spring practice for, for Vanderbilt to, you know getting yeah. ready for a season you know to kind of have them come out there and have to earn the the numbers and mm-hmm. that sort of thing um, but yeah I, I think I would say definitely Clark is tapping into to coach Corbin's knowledge and experience and you know just how to win you know, in that place in that environment mm-hmm. and taking some of that and applying it to his football program and uh, yeah it will be uh, interesting to see how that that comes together as they move through spring practice here and then when the you know the, the
1: preseason camp opens a little bit later in the year. No doubt about it. Can't wait. Uh, We'll we'll be talking a lot more about football, but the Vandy boys are are the talk right now. And Kevin got a game tonight. Uh, Good luck with that. Mm -hmm. It's Lipscomb uh, for the Vandy boys, uh, 630 first pitch there at the Hawk. And then uh, you'll be heading up to Columbia, Missouri. So uh, good luck with your coverage. And thank you so much for taking the time here on the door report. Anytime, Billy. Always appreciate it. Well, that does it for episode 76 of the door report. Huge thanks to our special guest, Kevin Ingram, the current radio play-by-play broadcaster for vanderbilt athletics we talk all things vandy boys especially with their big series win over south carolina this past weekend you will not want to miss the next episode on friday with another special guest that you will not want to miss for myself billy derrick and our special guest today kevin ingram you've been listening to episode 76 of the door report powered by alaco finewood floors